just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hope your day is going well. I'm recording this on a Sunday morning. And every week when I say that, I think of this huge hit song back from when I was a teenager in the late 70s. One of my favorite groups, Commodores. You remember the song, Easy Like a Sunday Morning. Yeah. Remember those easy Sunday mornings? (laughs) There are no fucking easy mornings, middays, afternoons, or nighttimes anymore. It seems like we never get a break from all the crazy, dramatic, dramatic, tragic, horrible, fucking ridiculous stories every day, all day, one right after the other. It's so bad that we'll hear a horrible story, and then nine other will come in, and we forget about the first one. I have to wonder about the mental health of our country as a whole. I mean, you keep getting hit like this every day, day in and day out, week in and week out, month in and month out, year in and year out. You would think some of us have got to be getting a PTSD. It's just a lot of stress out there, especially if you worry about things, you have a lot of anxiety. You get all this stress piling on you at home, and then you turn on the news or the TV or the radio or look on the Internet, and there's just more coming at you, and it never stops. This is one of those times you have to incorporate something I do. And I don't get stressed out about these sorts of things. And uh, there's a fairly simple process, but it takes some training for you to do that. You have to learn to... Truly not give a fuck. Everybody gets wrapped up in their emotions when they see some of the things, and I get it. Some of it's very sad. Some of it's very scary. But if you allow it to permeate your mind, it's going to make life very difficult for you. So somehow you've got to block some of this out or trust that it'll work itself out. You can't take the whole world on your shoulders, otherwise it will crush you. And I see it in a lot of people right now. I mean, just living life under normal circumstances is tough enough. But when you have all that's going on in this world, all the trouble, all the corruption, all the crime, all the uncertainty, it makes looking at the future kind of hard. But you got to stop doing that. In this country, we've had rough times. We've had difficult times. We've had tragic, dramatic, traumatic times. And somehow, in some way, we always get through it. We've had worse times than we do now. For those of you old enough, you'll remember the 60s, and you'll realize that that is true. There's way more stuff going on then, even more than what's going on now. And it was tough. For some of us, we were born in the 60s or the early 60s or the late 50s. We didn't know any different. We thought what happened in the 60s was just the way of life. So when things eased up a little bit in the 70s and 80s, we thought, hey, this is fucking nice. But now that it starts back up again in the 2020s, well, 
It's not something we haven't seen before, so we're maybe a little less stressed than a lot of the younger folks. But for those younger folks, you have to understand, through all these years, all these decades, the millennia, somehow we in America were able to persevere. And that's the one word you have to remember, persevered, no matter what. I'm a firm believer that if you just stay focused, stay calm, and persevere, you will find light at the end of the tunnel. Things will get better. Your life will get easier. I know it's tough now. I know it's difficult with everything hitting you in the face. But just stay the course. Keep pushing forward and persevere. You will get through it. There have been many a folk that have gone through tough times in this country, and they persevered, and now they're fine. You'll be fine, too. Don't worry. The world's not going to come apart at the seams. We're not looking at the end of the world. All these things looming over us right now will pass. What's that old saying from the Bible? And this, too, shall pass i got to be honest with you. There isn't a truer statement than I've ever seen. You know, it's funny. I have people in my family that are big worriers. They have a lot of anxiety, like a lot of folks do these days. And they always look at me and they say, how can you be so calm and cool about this? And I say, I just don't worry about it. I just do what I'm supposed to do and hope for the best. And they'll say to me, well, somebody's got to worry about it. And I'll say, no, they don't. Nobody has to worry about anything because that worrying does you no good, especially if it has to do with something that you have no control over. It's amazing how many people's days are ruined because they're agonizing over something they cannot control. No matter how hard you think, no matter how bad you feel, it doesn't change it. So instead of fucking up your day today, tomorrow, and the next day, focus on what you can to uh, fix it. And if you can't, just let it go and let the chips fall where they may. I know that's scary to a lot of folks because uncertainty is probably the most frightening thing of all for all of us. But at some time, at some point, you just have to leave it to faith and trust that it's going to work and trust that it's going to turn out instead of flailing around and trying to frantically fix it because you'll just make it worse. And people will say, that's very nice, but how do you know that? And it's very simple how I know that. I'll be 62 years old in a few weeks. And in those 62 years, I've gone through trials, tribulations, dramas, traumas, tragedies. My life has been at risk. Tons of things. I've had illnesses. I've had uh, horrible times that were difficult to deal with. But guess what? I'm 62 years old. All those problems that I faced throughout my life, I got through them somehow. I'm sitting here right now talking to you on the Rational Boomer podcast. And all is pretty good. I feel comfortable where I am. I'm happy to be doing the things I do. I don't have any stress. And I look forward to tomorrow. There's a lot of people out there today that would give anything to be able to look forward to tomorrow. Well, I'm telling you, you should. Even if you think you're in the worst of times, tomorrow is just the next step to getting out from underneath the bullshit. 
So keep taking those tomorrows. Get out from under the bullshit because you will eventually. I'm living proof of it. Any problems most people have had, I've gone through something similar. That's what I tell my kids. Anything that's happening to you, it's already happened to me. So maybe it's a good idea to listen to what I experienced when I went through it and then maybe use that to your benefit when you have to deal with the situation. All I'm saying is there's a lot of shit going on in this world. And living life is hard enough as it is. And all this other stuff getting thrown at you can put people in a funk or in a bad state. As long as you're in that bad state, you're not going to go anywhere. You've got to shake it off, as Taylor <laughs> Taylor Swift would say. And just keep moving, man. Just keep moving. It's like being under a cloud with the rain coming down. Just keep walking fast forward until you get past that cloud. Then the rain will stop. And you may not believe me, but trust me, it's true. I've done it a hundred times. And you're going to do it a hundred times. If you can just take the stress and the agony off of your mind, it's going to make it more tolerable. Because everybody worries about what's happening tomorrow. Just do your best today. When tomorrow comes, it will be better. All right. Let's talk about some of the things happening in this world to add some more stress. You know, actually... You know, people have said that, how can you just do the podcast and the TikToks throwing out this information and making it more stressful for people? And I understand that. I get that. And maybe that's what happens sometimes. But what I try to do with these stories, whether it be TikTok or the Rational Boomer podcast, I'll tell you the stories that are stressful, but I try to take the mystery away from them. The media and the government don't always tell us everything. They like the fact that we're scared, upset, mad, happy, whatever. And they don't always tell us the whole story. And sometimes what you're hearing in the media sounds way worse than it is, or not as good as it really is. And when I do these podcasts and the TikToks, I try to give you all the information. I try to give you a positive outlook on what's going on, no matter how bad it is. Because again, uncertainty is the most frightening thing to people. And the more information you have, the more you understand what could happen. And by telling these stories and giving you more of the details, hopefully that'll give you some comfort. I don't know if that does that, but uh, that is my intention. All right, you've no doubt seen Republican Senator Ben Sass of Nebraska. Now, this guy's always seemed to be one of the few voices of reason in the Republican Party. Yeah, he's a Republican, and he votes conservative and all that sort of stuff. But he seemed to have a soul. He seemed to have a heart. And he seemed to have some common sense, even a shred of decency, which is so rare in the Republican Party. Now, in fact, at the Katanji Brown-Jackson confirmation hearing, he admonished his Republican colleagues for their shameful lines of questioning, and he even called it jackassery. I like that word. And that's exactly what the Republicans were doing, acting like jackasses. None of these questions had anything to do with her being confirmed, and it was just a big fucking clown show. But yesterday, there was a tweet 
And uh, the tweet came from a gentleman by the name of Brian Taylor Cohen. He's the guy that does the news on the Internet, on Twitter, on TikTok and such. He's really good. He's really solid. If you haven't heard him, I would check into him. He's got a lot of good information, a lot of uh, good facts and figures. And he's one of those people I'll listen to from time to time just to get a heads up on a story. I'll hear what he has to say, and then I'll dig a little deeper and see if all of what he said is true and uh, try to dig out some more information to make it more complete report to you. But Brian Taylor Cohen, he is uh, he does a good job. Check him out. So anyway, Brian Taylor Cohen uh, tweeted out and he quoted Senator Ben Sass of Nebraska, Republican. This is what he said. He said, Judge Katanji Jackson has impeccable credentials, a deep knowledge of the law. She is an extraordinary person and has an extraordinary American story. And then he goes on. But, he said, sadly, I will not be able to vote to confirm Katanji Brown-Jackson. What? What the fuck are you talking about? You just said she's an excellent candidate. Impeccable credentials. But now you're telling me you can't vote for her. Why not? Is it because Mitch McConnell didn't like what you said when you called them a bunch of jackasses and he reeled you back in? Is that what it was? Is it about party lines? Is it because she's tied with the Democrats and the liberals and you can only vote Republican? Is that what it is? Or is it because she's a black woman or because she's just black? It has to be one of those things. Because you said she was impeccable. You said she had a deep knowledge. You said she was a good person, and you said she was a good candidate. But you didn't vote for her. But you voted for Kavanaugh. You voted for Gorsuch. You voted for Amy Coney Bearer, Barry, or Barra, whatever the fuck her name is. But none of these three were anywhere close to being as qualified as Katanji Brown-Jackson. Not even close, but you voted for them. You tell me this particular candidate is incredible, but you can't vote for her. I mean, I think we're entitled to an answer. It, it, it has to do with racism. It has to do with... Uh, the fact that she's a woman, it has to do with the fact that she's a Democrat, and then you just won't vote for anybody. Let me explain something to you, Ben Sass. Democrats have the part power now. They have the power now. There are going to be times when they have to appoint a, um, a Supreme Court justice. And when they get that opportunity, guess what? They're not going to put up some trump fuck piece of shit like you want. They're going to put up a Democrat. And at some point, some point in time, you're going to have to do what's good for the country. Not what's good for you, not what's good for your fucking traveling gang of fucking barbarians known as the Republicans. You're contradicting yourself here, Ben. We'd all love to know what the fuck you mean. How can you do it? 
It's like eating an ice cream cone saying, that's a really good ice cream cone, but I'm never going to eat that shit again. And it ain't about weight. (laughs) You tell us she's great. You admonish Republicans for treating her poorly, but still you can't vote for her. How about an answer? How about a reason? I mean, is it racism? There's a lot of racism in the Republican Party. We almost have to assume that's it, because I can't imagine what else it might be. We're going to talk more about that in a bit. Now, we're still talking about the Republicans, and the Republicans would have you believe that Joe Biden is a doddering and weak old man, which is rich considering that there has been no weaker president than Donald Trump. This guy was the weakest president we have ever seen. And if there's any trump out there, I know you're shitting your pants in honor of Donald Trump. I know you think I'm wrong, and I know you want to argue about it. I'd be happy to argue with any trump about this, except you don't understand simple articulation. You don't accept facts. You don't accept truth. You only accept what you're told to accept by dumb motherfuckers like Donald Trump. So to argue with you is absolutely pointless. So if you want to debate me, too bad. I don't have time for it. I don't have time, and I'm certainly not afraid of you. Certainly not afraid of you. I've tried to debate Republicans many times. Generally, they don't show up because they don't have the... uh, um, what what did uh, Sarah Palin say now that she wants to run for office? They didn't have the cojones. <laughs> well, they didn't have the courage to show up. And, and the one or two times that they show up, they'll say, say whatever they say, and they keep talking louder, longer, and try to cover up whatever you say. They don't want you to talk because they're afraid you're going to offer up some some facts or figures or something that they can't answer. So instead of looking stupid and not answering the question, they just talk over you. And if they do hear the question and you do have a moment to give the question out, they'll just spin it or divert and uh, talk about something else. So there is absolutely no earthly reason to talk to a Trumplefuck. They're too slow, they're too stupid, they're too inarticulate, and it's just a waste of time. The fact about Joe Biden being weak and doddering, though, it's exactly the opposite that's true. He is the only president in 20 years to have the courage to pull our troops out of Afghanistan, even though he knew it would be a mess and that he would take a popularity hit. Now, George W. Bush put those folks in Afghanistan. They should have been in there for a year or two and pulled their ass out. But he didn't do it. Barack Obama had eight years to pull them out, but he didn't. Donald Trump had four years to pull them out, and he didn't. Now, there's no question we should have been pulled out of Afghanistan at some point. This war was costing us $320 million a fucking day. American soldiers were being killed, maimed, and there was no good reason for us to be there. Somebody had to step up and have the courage to pull these people out. Bush didn't do it. Obama didn't do it. Trump didn't do it. But Biden did, 
And it's about fucking time. There's no reason in the world that war should have gone on 20 years. It was a waste of time from the first year we started to the 20th year when it was ended by Joe Biden. The reason people didn't pull out of Afghanistan because they knew they'd look bad and they thought it would hurt their reelection potential. Well, it looks like Joe Biden decided that uh, there's a greater good here saving American lives and American dollars and getting us out of a war that we had no business in. That's not a sign of the weak and the doddering. And then he did something else that really put people back on their heels. I think even Vladimir Putin. He called out Vladimir Putin. He called him a war criminal. Now, that was a big deal. I can't think of any president who's called Putin or anybody else a war criminal at least at that level. And in a speech yesterday, he called Putin a butcher. And then he said, Vladimir Putin cannot remain in power. Now, Biden's a passionate and emotional guy. The death and destruction he's seeing in Ukraine is starting to get to him. We also know that Joe Biden has kind of a temper, You don't see it as much. He seems even-tempered, but I think in private, uh, he gets upset quickly, especially when he looks at things like the devastation in Ukraine and the activities of Vladimir Putin. He's angry about it, make no mistake. And you know what? He wouldn't be a good president if he wasn't angry about it. These are fucking atrocities. If our president isn't angry about that, then he's not much of a president. He's not much of a fucking human being. But, of course, Trumplicans like to project Joe's weak, Joe's doddering, and that's just not the case. And, in fact, I'm going to have an example later on in the show showing how, in fact, Donald Trump is kind of this uh, mush-brained piece of shit that can't even articulate a full sentence. That's coming up in the next uh, next half of the show. But I really get tired of them trying to put down Joe Biden. Now, I'm you know, Joe Biden's not my favorite candidate for president, but he is our president. He is the one that got Donald Trump out of office, and he's the one that's going to be here for the next couple of years trying to get us back on track. So we need to support him. Donald Trump never had any intentions of fixing this country or helping the people. All he did is try to enrich himself, and that's why I fought against him during his whole administration. At least Joe Biden is showing some uh, aptitude for this position as president of the United States. He understands the job, and he's trying to do the job to the best of his ability. Now, does that mean he's going to succeed and be victorious in everything? Hell no, especially when you've got a Republican Party doing everything they can to block him. But at least he's making the effort. He's making some inroads. He's making some progress. Things are getting better in this country. This whole Russia-Ukraine thing is something on his plate he didn't need. There's plenty of other things we have to deal with. But I'm going to tell you how this is going to shake out. Joe Biden brought NATO together, unified the the world against Russia, like no other president has or could this is going to pay dividends for Joe Biden come 2022 and, and the Democrats in 2024. 
this war will be taken care of and it will end. Joe Biden has put a clamp around uh, Vladimir Putin's testicles by way of these sanctions and other pressures. And uh, Vladimir Putin is going to have to back away from this somehow. He's going to try to make it look like he won, but he can't continue the way he's going. That's why he's now focusing on the two independent states that he identified in eastern Ukraine. He can't handle the whole country. We've seen that. They were losing horribly. So instead of a full retreat, he's going to say, okay, well, I'll just try to get these two plots. And Zelensky is not going to buy into it. So that won't end the war. At this point, Vladimir Putin's going to be gone in a couple of ways. He's going to back out of Ukraine and look weak. Or somebody within the Russian government or the Russian military is going to take him out because of the trouble and the trauma he's inflicted on his own country. The end of uh, the Putin era is here. We don't know what would be up next and who that might be, but at this moment in time, kind of like with Donald Trump, it almost don't, doesn't matter who it is just so Putin's gone. And that's the same case with Donald Trump. Joe Biden may or may not have been the best candidate at the time, but he was the guy that was most popular. He was the one that could knock Donald Trump out. And even if I hated Joe Biden, I love him for the fact that we got rid of Donald Trump. Got to take this a step at a time. We needed to get rid of Donald Trump. We need to get the country back on track. And then we need to have the Democrats start winning so they can start passing some of these bills that actually help us and stop the logjam and stop the gridlock with uh, the Republicans continually trying to obstruct anything that happens in Washington, D.C. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. All right, let's go back to the confirmation hearing for Katanji Brown-Jackson. Now, let's just say, Katanji Brown-Jackson is the most eminently qualified nominee to the Supreme Court in the court's history. I get a lot of kickback from uh, Trumplicants. How do you know she's the best? Why isn't somebody else the best? Well, if you look at the facts, you look at her experience. She's experienced in more things, all things, over all the rest of the Supreme Court justices. They have bits and pieces of here, bits and pieces of there. A lot of these Supreme Court justices have never been a trial lawyer, never been in a court and acted as an attorney. Uh, but that's not the case with Katanji, uh, with Katanji Brown-Jackson. She's done all these things. She's been a clerk for uh, a Supreme Court justice. She's been a public defender on the federal level. She's worked in the district court and appellate court. She's done pretty much everything. This isn't just uh, my opinion. The facts bear it out. She is the most eminently qualified nominee to the Supreme Court in the history of the court. You can try to debate me on this, and I welcome it if you want to. But the fact of the matter is, she is exactly that. And the facts and the history and the experience prove that. Secondly, Katanji Brown-Jackson is the most popular nominee to the Supreme Court in years. I think that's clear. I mean, we watched 
Brett Kavanaugh cry, whine, scream, tell us he likes beer. And he was an embarrassment, not only to the Republicans, but to himself, to the Supreme Court. And he continues to embarrass. These other people, you know, they were pretty much plastic answering questions or not answering questions. There's never been a Supreme Court justice since I've been watching it that's been as forthcoming, as honest, as even-tempered, and as sensible and logical as Katanji Brown. Still, she was made to suffer through hours and hours of ridicule and inappropriate questions, lies, and conspiracy theories. Why is this? I mean, this is all laid out there by the Republicans, but why did the Republicans think they needed to do this? It can only be because one of two things— They'll do anything to simply own the Democrats. It doesn't matter what it is. They want to own the Democrats. So they've got a Supreme Court justice nominee. They're going to tear them apart regardless of what their qualifications might be. And here's the problem. The Republicans seem to be confused about their job And what they're supposed to do in working for this country and working for us. Instead, they think their job is simply to try to shut down the Democrats one way or another. The unfortunate thing about that is, is while they're doing that, then nothing gets done for the country. Nothing gets done for the people. And that's why we find we're in the mess we're in. And for whatever reason, there's a certain amount of Republicans say, yeah, give us more of that shit. Well, that's fucking stupid. And that's the unfortunate thing. We're dealing with a lot of stupid people or blind people or uninformed people. I don't know what you call them, but uh, they have no business spouting off when they have no clue what they're talking about. The second thing that's got to come into play here, and I mentioned it in the first half, It's because she's the first black woman to be nominated to the Supreme Court. This is a historical thing. We've had other women on the Supreme Court, of course, but this is the first black woman. Now, we know the Republican Party is replete with racism. Racism would be a plank in the Republican platform. That is, of course, if the Republicans even had a fucking platform. Now, people say that a lot. They say they don't even have a fucking platform. Well, I think they do. But their platform isn't anything that does anybody any good and hurts a lot of people. Their platform is about giving money to the rich. Their platform is trying to suppress votes, trying to marginalize people of color, people of different religions people of different sexual orientation, and hell, even women in general. That's their platform. Now, they don't announce it officially, but we see it every day in the way they behave and the things they do. And the whole thing about racism really has to come into play. I've talked to people about this before, and the thing is, is that People say, well, for a long time, racism was pretty good, but now it's bad again, like it was in the 50s and 60s. Let me explain something. Racism has always been pretty much the same since we can remember, and racism goes back hundreds of years. Racism never went through a time where it was technically better. It seemed better. 
I mean, back in the 80s, 90s, 2000s, it seemed like racism was starting to abate, but it really wasn't. All it really was was these racists, these misogynists, these anti-Semites went into hiding because it wasn't acceptable for them to say the things they said. They were going to pay a price if they got caught saying certain things and doing certain things. So they hid out under the rocks. Nobody could see them. They might have their own little groups where they got together to say the N-word or talk about Jewish people or women in general, maybe online in these little groups on Reddit or wherever the fuck, and they're talking their shit. But the moment Donald Trump stepped into office, acting the way he does, speaking the way he does immediately, immediately he opened the door for every racist misogynist and anti-Semite and anti-LGBTQ in this country to speak up and speak out. They were afraid to do it before. They did not want to do that shit at all. They were frightened because they wouldn't be accepted in decent society. Well, all of a sudden, Donald Trump makes it okay. He says, It's okay to hate brown people coming from Mexico. They're all rapists and and thieves and drug addicts anyway. Sound familiar to you? What he said about how all the Mexican people coming across the border are racist or uh, rapists or uh, drug addicts or sex traffickers. Sounds real similar to what Vladimir Putin is calling the folks in Ukraine. Of course, what he's saying about Ukraine is absolutely ridiculous and totally untrue. And the same could be said for Donald Trump when he's talking about these people coming across the border. It's funny. I listen to, uh, on my live, I had some people come on and say, well, what about him? What about Biden leaving the border wide open? Well, that's not fucking true. Not even close to true. And I threw out a fact that um, apparently caused him to leave. He did not want to answer my fact that I gave him. And I'll give you that fact. It's a fact that I thought was pretty compelling, and I don't know how many people caught it. But in this article, they were talking about Joe Biden and the border. And in 2021, there was a record amount of people coming to the border brown people, Mexican people, Hispanic people. There was 1.9 million people coming to the border. Now, of those 1.9 million people, 36% of them were let into the country and allowed to be here while waiting for a hearing on asylum. 36%. That's a lot when you're talking about 1.9 million. That's a lot. And just hearing that fact, you might agree with the Republicans say, see, he's letting all kinds of people across the border. But the Republicans want you to believe that Joe Biden's letting more people across the border. The border's wide open. It's just crazy down there. But here's another fact to consider with the fact I just gave you. In 2020, when Donald Trump was in office, We had a similar amount of people coming to the border trying to get in, 1.7 million, something like that. 
Not quite as much as what Joe had, but uh, close. So say it's 1.7 million people. Now, we know 1.9 million came when Joe Biden was in office. He let in 36% of all the people that came to the border. Donald Trump, on the other hand, had, say, 1.6, 1.7 million people coming to the border. And surprise, 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 he let in 56% of the people that came to the border and let them be in the country to await a hearing for asylum. Now, I'm not even complaining about that. I'm not going to talk badly about Donald Trump letting in 56%. That's not what I'm going to do. But I am going to question how in the world you can possibly suggest that Joe Biden has left the border open and he's letting more people into the country than anyone else when, in fact, Donald Trump let in far more people in 2020 than Joe Biden did in 2021. So you can spew all the facts you want at me, but the fact is the numbers don't match up. Donald Trump was more uh, prolific when it came to letting people in this country than Joe Biden. So that shoots your whole argument in the ass. So I got an idea. Why don't you shut the fuck up about it? Because you don't know what you're talking about. Well, let's talk a little bit more about Donald Trump. I told you, you know, the Republicans think that Joe Biden is doddering and not all there mentally and, and weak and that sort of thing. Well, I thought I'd give a comparison. We talked about Joe Biden. Now I'll give a comparison to uh, Donald Trump. Fox News was interviewing Donald Trump. And he asked, and Fox News asked them very, or him very directly, what he'd do differently than Joe Biden in Ukraine. How would he react differently than Joe Biden regarding the war in Ukraine? Well, here's what he said. And this has been transcribed, so I'm going to read it verbatim. And I want you to listen very carefully. (laughs) This is Donald Trump in complete clarity. Very comprehensive comment. And here we go. Question again, what would you do differently in Ukraine from Joe Biden? Donald Trump responds, well, what I would do is I would, uh, we would, uh, we have tremendous military capability and what we can do without planes, uh, to be honest with you, without 44-year-old jets, what we could do is enormous and we should be doing it (laughs) and we should be helping them to survive, and they're doing an amazing job. (laughs) Now, that's one long sentence. There's only one period in that sentence, and that is at the end. That comment made absolutely no sense, and what that says to me is he had no clue how to answer it, so he thought he'd bullshit his way through. And the thing about Donald Trump, he thinks he's good at that. I mean, some of us can bullshit our way through certain things. I've done it many times. And uh, I'm smart enough to know how to get through the answer, but I'm not smart enough to maybe know the answer. But I can make it sound like it's somewhat comprehensive. Now, Donald Trump 
doesn't even do that. He's so arrogant that he thinks he's so brilliant that he can spew any words out of his mouth, and somehow we'll all believe it's the gospel as if it was handed down by fucking Moses. But when you read that, this isn't even an eight-year-old's comprehension at this point. If I ask an eight-year-old and I said, what would you do in this situation? We would get a better sentence structure and better information out of that than we get out of Donald Trump at his 74 years of age and being a former president. That's frightening how stupid that fucking man is. Now, the one thing that upsets me about these kinds of things, so he's being interviewed on Fox, but it could have been MSNBC, CNN, NPR, it could have been any of those things. And what upsets me mostly when I hear him make a comment like that, the follow-up questions are either non-existent or just weak-ass softballs. If I'm interviewing Donald Trump and he says that to me, there are a couple of questions that come to mind that I would use. But you'll never see the mainstream media use it because they're tap dancing. They're not... not, uh, uh, going after the politician, in this, in this case, Donald Trump, but it could be anybody. Now, after him saying this bullshit, if I had the opportunity to question him, I would say, Mr. President, Mr. Former President, what specifically would you do? Please give us details. You talked about the things you were going to do in that comment, but never once did you explain what it is you are going to do. Can you please explain? And the second question I would follow up immediately is, so former President Trump, are you saying that you would attack and fight with your best girlfriend, Vladimir Putin, and the Russians? Now you ask him those two questions and you will watch a man sitting on national television literally shitting himself. Because now he's in a corner. He has to ask, answer a question. What he will probably do is the same thing he did on the first question. Say a lot of words, have it say nothing, and think he's smart for doing it. That's one of the things that we need to do is expose the ignorance of Donald Trump, his administration, and those acolytes that follow him today. There are a lot of people that listen to that comment and will clap and applaud and think Donald Trump is a genius. And that is a travesty in this country. What Donald Trump spewed in that answer is absolutely ignorant. It is stupid. It is childish. And I mean a young childish, not a 10 or 12 year old, because they could have done better with that question, not knowing anything. You would hope somebody like Donald Trump, who's been in business most of his life and also been a a former president of the United States, that he could string together three or four cognitive sentences. But clearly he can't. That ridiculous comment isn't a new thing. It isn't even surprising. Because virtually every time Donald Trump opens his mouth, it's something fucking absolutely ridiculous. I mean, it's not understandable. It's incoherent. And then he smiles as if he's some kind of genius. And you Trumplicans, that's who you follow. You follow an idiot, an absolute idiot.
Now, if I had the opportunity to talk to a Trumplican now, and he would tell me the genius that uh, Joe ba- or that Donald Trump is, I'd like to read him that statement that Donald Trump made, and then ask him, "Did you like that statement?" And of course, they'd say yes. And then I would ask, "Why? What specifically did you think was good about that statement?" Make them think a bit. And they can't answer that because there's nothing that was specified in that comment that was good or even actionable. But, of course, they would probably fucking try because that's what they do. All right, enough about stupid diaper Donnie. Let's go on to a gentleman who's very smart, somebody I like a lot. I love this guy, and I wish he was in government now. He's been in previous administrations. And we're talking about Robert Reich. You see him on Facebook, you see him on Twitter and uh, TikTok, and he always makes some great points. He's a very big economic mind. He's very smart. And if you ever get the chance to see him on one of the platforms, follow him because you will learn a lot. Now, Robert Reich had an interesting take on why Republicans are trying so hard to suppress education and the education about racism in our schools. It's about self-preservation, really. I mean, think about this. They are trying so hard to keep critical race theory out of the schools, even though it's not in the schools and never has been, never will be, but they're fighting against it. They're trying very hard for kids not to be taught about slavery and some of the things that happened with racism in the past. And the question is, why is that? And I thought the same thing. Is it just to be difficult? Is it just because you're racist and you don't want to talk about it and hurt yourself? Robert Reich came up with a concept that uh, is a little deeper than that, a little more insidious than that. And I think he's onto something here. I think he may be right. Robert Reich has said that not in the not-too-distant future, our voting blocks will be dominated by millennials and Gen Zers, all these young people. Now, these people are not big Republican supporters. Now, if they can suppress the education of racism and the history of racism to these younger people where they just don't know what happened, they have a better chance of swaying them to the Republican Party because, of course, the Republicans are the party of racism. They want to hide all this stuff from our youth. And the reason they want to do that is because they see their power fading. The old white man is starting to die off, and as they die off, theoretically, nobody's going to vote Republican. So now they have to start recruiting new possible voters, and that would be the Gen, Z, uh, Gen Zers and the millennials, the younger people. But they got to make sure these younger people don't get the information they don't want out about the horrible things with racism and slavery that went on in this country. These kids are different thinkers than what the boomers were, even the Gen Xers to a certain extent. They see the world in a different light. And that different light doesn't include some of the things the Republicans want to do. And the Republicans want to do everything they can to hold on to power. So somehow they've got to keep this information away from the younger people. So when they come of age and they start voting they still have an opportunity to get votes, meaning the Republican Party. Now, if they fail to do this, 
well, that will mean the Republican Party will become extinct. And uh, that's probably the best outcome in my mind. Get rid of these motherfuckers. Change the whole platform or policies that these people have because they're horrific and problematic to our country. And they're looking ahead. I think Robert Reich is right about this. Why would they care about education at all? Why would they care about CRT? They have never been that in the past, but now they're adamant about it. And again, they're looking ahead. They're looking at the future voters. How are they going to start recruiting young people to vote Republican? Well, they certainly aren't going to do it by uh, talking about slavery and racism and all the horrific things that the Republican Party has done. So they've got to mask that, not let these kids know it or learn it. And we know this concept works. We're seeing it in Russia. A lot of people in Russia are only getting the information Vladimir Putin wants to give them. And in their minds, there's no war in Ukraine. There's no atrocities. There's no death and destruction. This is a gallant fight by their country against Nazis and uh, oppressors and those sorts of things. Well, that's an out-and-out complete lie, but the only thing these people know is what they see in the news in their country. That's the same thing with uh, Trumplifux. It's their doing, not so much uh, a leader like in Russia. Uh, They're focusing on uh, news sources like Fox and OAN and Newsmax and those sorts of things. And because they focus on just those areas, they they only get so much information. And mostly it's wrong information. We've got uh, the left-wing media, the center media, giving more of the facts out there, and that's helpful. But the people that watch Fox and OAN will never switch over because, as far as they know, this is all that exists. So that uh, gaslighting that uh, the Republicans are doing through Fox and OAN, the gaslighting that uh, Vladimir Putin is trying to do in Russia, is exactly what the Republican Party is now trying to do to young future voters. They need to cloud the issues to these people if they hope to hold on to their power in any way, shape, or form. So they've got to groom these younger people. Interesting word, groom, isn't it? We uh, always hear a lot about the pedophiles. And the people that are screaming about pedophiles the most are the people that represent groups that have the most pedophiles. Isn't that fucking-ronic? I don't know. But Robert Reich has a good take on that. I think they're trying to condition and groom the youth of America so somehow they can hold on to their votes and hold on to power. All right, we're going to wrap it up for the Rational Boomer podcast. want to thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to sit down and listen. If you have questions, comments, or complaints, you can send me an email at uh, rationalboomer at gmail.com or go to anchor.fm, look for the Rational Boomer podcast, and leave me a voicemail. I hope you have a great day. We'll be back again. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.